Why don't you turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll be there eventually. It's towards the end. Actually, you can turn to Hebrews if you want. I'll start there. But let me start by telling you a story. A number of years ago, a friend of mine, uh, he's my age, uh, well, actually, he's older than me. His name is Tom, and uh, he called me about his daughter. Uh, I knew his daughter for years, watched her grow up, and he was very concerned. She's at this age, she's 17. She has always had an unusual mix of being both uh, tender and strong in her personality. And she had a bum of a boyfriend. Well, actually, a bum of an ex-boyfriend. And she broke up with him, but she kept, she kept going back to him. And with each time she went back, she was hating herself more and more for, you know, kind of returning to the vomit sort of thing. And he was trying, Tom was trying to be a really good parent because in, in, in by saying, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coach you through this, honey. I'm going to teach you some things that you need to know, but this is yours. He wanted her to learn how to handle situations like this while she was still at home, right? He didn't want to just kind of take over and, and make things happen, right? He was trying to teach her to be an adult. And so I, I said, well, Tom, let me ask you a couple of questions. I said, did this guy like seek her out? And, and pull her out of her friendship group, or was it kind of what, or mutual? And he said, well, yes and no. He, she had a crush on him, but she knew he was really bad, but she would like to be seen with him, and she knew better. She was flattered by his attention. And so I said, well, did he give herself to him physically? Did he take her innocence? Did she give him her innocence. And he said, yeah. I said, okay. Is he still hunting her? Is he going where she's going? He knows her schedule, right? He goes, yeah. So I said, Tom, this is, this is the parenting moment here. The parenting moment is the thing that she needs to learn is that she's in a spiritual battle. And your job is not to be the father, but to be her big brother. She needs to understand, you need to understand that she is in bondage. She does not have the power to say no. That's why she keeps going back to him. And so this, this is the lesson that we all need to learn in this, is that the devil played with her crush, and, and, he, and she chose to give him more of her soul than was designed. And now she's trapped. And so, Tom, you or I can do this or you, your, your son can do this, but this is a big brother, not a father thing. This is a big brother thing that we do for our sisters. And so you need to go and ask her. Ask her, can't explain this to her, and then ask her, can you pray for her? Can you pray over her? because she's in bondage. She's in a stronghold. And then ask her, will you let me help or someone else help? Ask her. And if she says yes, then you do that, not as a father, but as a brother. The next night, she was walking out to her car after work was over. It's at night. And so walking across a dark parking lot, she started opening her car, and there was her boyfriend waiting for her, like he does. And there was Tom. A third player has entered the game, and Tom told him, he said, you are being used by the devil to destroy a daughter of the king, and I'm here to tell you no more. I am praying for you 
and I'm praying against you, but you're not going to see her ever again because she's free. She's my daughter, but she's my sister, and I won't let you near her ever again. And that's how the story ended. He didn't see that girl again. The lesson for you and I in that story is that we're in a spiritual war. And there are no soldiers that fight alone. You know what strongholds and being in some context of being in bondage will help you enjoy is the depth of deep spiritual relationships. It will show you the power of interdependence where we, because it, it is, it is, it is, ble- you're blessed to need someone. And it is a beautiful thing to be actually needed by someone else. And strongholds and the idea of being in bondage, they teach us that. Because some of us are pretty independent and strongholds just <laughs> stand over us and laugh at that. That's what we're going to talk about today. See, here's the thing, because we have the power and the authority to defeat strongholds in our lives, to live in two realms. We can live victorious in two realms. So it's, it's not an issue of what we have. It's the ability to do something. It's the application of it. It's uh, a perspective. That's why the series is called Perspective, that we would see the perspective out there, that there is an invisible realm that is negotiating with our minds so that we might do things with our bodies to make a choice of who has a right to rule. We are naive about strongholds. We are naive about or ignorant about bondage. So, simple outline. What is a stronghold? How does a person get into a stronghold? Better question, third point, how does a person get out of a stronghold, right? <laughs> this is the one you want, right? So this is a, that's a simple outline today, very practical today. Okay? What is a stronghold? When the Bible talks about a stronghold, here's a great passage uh, to exemplify that. Three or four times it's used in the New Testament. Ephesians 4, very informative 26 and 27 says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sin go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold or a stronghold. There's the word. And what's interesting in this passage, the reason I'm bringing this up is not just because it says stronghold, but also it says, you know, be angry, but do not sin. So anger is a gift from God. It's a good thing. If it's at the right time, at the right level, right, uh, for the right reason, then anger is appropriate. But he says, don't let the sun go down on it because that it can turn into a stronghold. It can, it can become a desire that's greater than it ought to be. It can become a demand that's bigger than God's will for your life. I would rather be angry than have God's will. And so Paul is writing this passage here, and he's saying, look, there's, there's things that God gives you, and if you desire those more than God or more than appropriate, they become strongholds in your life. You, ambition is a good thing. You can become driven. Beauty is a good thing. You can become vain. Responsibility is a gift from God, but you can be controlling. These can become strongholds. Be responsible, but don't become controlling, giving the devil a foothold. That's one source of footholds. Another source is just giving in to evil and temptation is when we find ourselves finding ourselves giving, listening to temptation and entertaining those. Well, next week we're going to talk about 
kind of the steps of temptation. But, but then we go back again, and with each repetition, it becomes easier to fail. We're giving ourselves excuse. It dulls our conscience. And then we're living in what's called what you would call a habit of sin. And a habit of sin becomes a bondage of sin. Now the sin is telling you where to go and when to go there and what to do about it. What a stronghold means, a spiritual element has, added, has been added into the equation. Now it's not just psychological. It's not just biological. It has become a function of your personality now. That's when you're in bondage. That's when you're enslaved. There's other names for it. I think they're synonyms, not completely, but it helps us, uh, helps us understand maybe what a, a stronghold is or what it is to be bondage when we say uh, someone has an addiction. As long as you look at the word addiction and say, sure, physical, addiction, physical addictions are easy to understand so that we can understand psychological and spiritual addictions. Because you can have an addiction to approval. And it's, it's, it's good to want approval, but when you need approval, that's bondage. When you demand approval, that's a stronghold. You can call them idols. They look a lot like idols sometimes. You, you exalt something and put it above God. You, you put it above God, what God wants for you. A modern-day modern American idol is being a good parent. And what people do so that they can wear that badge is embarrassing. It is captivating. It is a stronghold in people's lives. Now, in the Bible, three times anger and or bitterness is used as a stronghold. And I think it's used so often because quite like uh, there's a quote in your bulletin. It's not what happens in your life so much as what, how you respond to what happens in your life. And I think anger and bitterness are pushed to the forefront, to the top of the list of what could be a stronghold in your life, because when we are disappointed in life, we have initial anger towards that disappointment, but the ultimate, the deepest anger and bitterness is towards God. You just have to just keep going layers down, and you're going to be saying, look, I didn't get what I wanted here, God. Or even in the violation of things, when you experience evil, why weren't you there intervening? So that's why bitterness and, and anger come to that list. Easy to fall into that. Easy to contaminate with that. So that, here's the summary. A stronghold is possibly a good thing taken to, an, to a, a, a place where it's more important than following the will of God or to an excess, or it can be a bad thing, a habit of sin, growing a root inside of you. It's going to a spiritual level. And usually you know you're in a stronghold when you lose. I mean a lot. Whatever, whatever the stronghold is, it, it's showing you how to live life. How do you get out of strongholds? Or I'm sorry, how do you get stuck in a stronghold? How do you get struck in a song, stronghold? Think of it, here's kind of crazy. I thought of this, work with me on this, uh, or just try. Being in a stronghold is like being a disciple of the devil. It's like being a disciple of the devil. Now watch this. What does it mean to be a disciple at, of Christ, right? And here at Grace Covenant Church, to be a disciple of Christ means to become like Christ in all of life, right? And how does one become a disciple, become like Christ in all of life? We have a great formula, spirit plus truth plus relationships, right? Yeah, that's it. If you do that with a humble heart, spirit, truth, and relationship, 
over an extended period of time, you're going to find you have intimacy with God. You can hear God's voice. You're going to be able to have the courage to do God's will. Boom, you are living the abundant life. That's what it's like to be a disciple. That's how you become a disciple, and that's the fruit of being a disciple. A disciple of the devil. What, how does a person get stuck in a stronghold? Same formula, all lowercase. It is spirit plus lies plus relationships. Same formula for change. The devil knows that. It's not the spirit on the spirit part. It's not the Holy Spirit. It is the spirit of evil. It is a personified, intelligent spirit. It is Satan, the devil, and his demons. And they take good gifts and turn them evil. They take, they take, they take, they take goodness and they corrupt it. They, 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 like, for example, anger. When anger is taking its natural course, it's biblical, godly, it's, it's simmering down, it's going out, they stoke it. They keep it alive. They, they, uh, they take something that's good and they contaminate. They add more logs to the fire. They say, and then just add ego to it, right? They, they appeal to our ego, and we, we can hear it, the spirit, right? The spirit of evil says, you deserve to wake up tomorrow angry. Look at all the damage he did to you. You can't let that go. Stay angry. There it is. That's the spirit we're talking about, lowercase. The spirit of evil, it calls for us. It blinds us with the demands that it is making on our lives. It's, it, it nurtures and, and seduces our ego. It attacks our mind. It attacks our heart. It attacks our mouth. It goes after where we're vulnerable. Here, look, here's some sources. You want to know where the spirit's going, to, this evil spirit, the demons are going to go after you? Here's usually sometimes where they start. Uh, you're bent the way you were made, maybe not the way you were supposed to be made, but it, it, vulnerable things in your life that you're, you're just a weakness. You should know that. I hope, hope your parents talked to you about it. You should know that by the time you're five. And, and you're susceptible to the lies that are about God and about yourself and about others in that area of bentness. Sometimes, you know, these strongholds come about because of the values that you were raised with. In other words, the atmosphere of your home environment. What was it like growing up in your house? Right? What were the things that were, that were tolerated and exalted? Temper and anger? Sure, yeah. Uh, uh, being a malcontent? Okay, it was encouraged. Greed? You bet. Vanity? We're the pretty family. And evil knows your family of origin. So watch how, watch how easy it is to get into generational strongholds, right? One generation after another. We have this bent factor, and that's you know, part of being part of that family tree, right? We kind of all kind of keep going that way. Plus, the environment that we live in is encouraging those things. It is being approved of. There's permission given. Now, listen, you can have this environment and this bent all in the context of going to the good Bible teaching church, and all everybody's going to good Christian schools. Those have no power over ignorance and naivete to strongholds. And so the, the idea of, of, of generational strongholds happened because we fundamentally there's a question that's going to be asked every single adult in that context. What are you going to do about it? 
Are you going to just, you know, per- live with this bondage and maybe pass it on as one of the legacy things we pass on to the next generation? Or are you going to do something and say it stops with this family, this generation, this household? If I have to never see my family again, so be it. God's will over the family tradition. Those are the choices. We, 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 we learn how to, you know, how to how to behave, or we rebel against it and do God's will. So it can come from our bent. Let me just review. We can come from our bent. It can be coming from our home of origin, and those two compounding are really difficult to work against. And then, and then a significant event in your life. A significant event in your life can be the place where the spirit, evil spirit, the demon, would come in and say, hey, let's, let's talk more about that. A death of from a family member or someone that you deeply love, a betrayal by someone you trust, right? Some kind of abuse, poverty. Somewhere in your life, right, this thing happens to you or a season happens to you, and then you say, you don't have to say it out loud, but your soul says this, this will never happen to me again. And you don't know it, but you just made a commitment may be bigger than your commitment to love the Lord your God. And you don't know it until they come head to head. That commitment, this will never happen to me again, that's the highway to bondage. That's how you find yourself on a fast track to a stronghold. That's the spirit. Then lies. Lies we talked about last week, fundamentally lies about the nature of God. Does he care? Is he good? You know, does he have power? And then the lies about ourselves, about our identity in Christ, lies about other people. No time for that. We spent time with that last week. So we have spirit, we have lies, and then we have relationship. As you descend into these strongholds, the devil's going to find you friends to spend time with because he wants to, misery loves company, and he wants you to spend time with evil, spirit-filled lie-saturated lifestyle that you can energize each other with. This kind of lifestyle quite often needs reinforcements. The other reason you're going to find yourself in relationships that reflect being caught in bondage or a stronghold is because a righteous person is going to confront you on that and saying, hey, you're like, like gossips love hanging around gossips. Uh, uh, at church, we can pray for you, right? You know? And so a righteous person steps in and says, I think we crossed the line. We're way across the line. I think, I think actually you have a spirit of envy. I think it's, I think it's a stronghold in your life, and we, let's, let's do something about that. And then you say, yeah, we will. We won't be friends anymore. And you know what? If, if you can't find a bunch of friends that are in a similar stronghold with you, better yet. Now you're isolated all alone with nothing but evil thoughts right, and lies. And just let the calendar click and watch you dissolve into something less than you were ever even close to meant to be. That's how it happens. A stronghold is a series of choices where we entertain temptations and then we believe lies and we choose relationships so that we can stay in this place, this stronghold. Watch how uh, the writer of Hebrews is going to show 
strategically what a great thing is in a church, what a sacred thing is in a church, and how he's going to positively say, yeah, do this, and then negatively say, you'd better watch out for this stronghold. Okay, watch this in Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12, he says this. Whoever wrote this, he says, uh, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness. Those who are not holy will not see God. There you go. Strive for peace for everyone. That's a great thing. Holiness for everyone, that's good too. Peace with everyone, holiness, that means unity in the church. Unity in the church is a sacred thing. So the writer says, do these things. Look for these things. And then he says, look, be a lifeguard. Look out for this. Be on watch for this. Verse 15. See to it that, there, that, that no one f- uh, fails to obtain the grace of God, grace going everywhere, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. This can poison the whole community. You people, particularly leaders, you be careful. You're looking for spiritual, relational lifestyles that just, they don't have bitterness. He doesn't say bitterness. He says the root of bitterness. And he's saying the root of bitterness is a stronghold. The idea there, it's often compared to that because this is this, this spirit of bitterness, this root of bitterness is part of the spirit plus lie plus relationship. That's what he's talking about. Look how, see how it goes back into the relationship where it contaminates everything? It's a bitter root. What kind of fruit does a bitter root give? Bitter fruit. And he's saying here, it's a plant. That's the metaphor. That means wait for it. It's slow, but it's certain. This root of bitterness, you just, you whisper here and gossip there and, you know, try to pull insurrections. And and in time, it's going to cause trouble to the whole community. You ever been in a friendship group that suddenly got bitter? I, I mean, I, I think everybody probably has, like, what happened to us? I'll tell you what happened to us is one of us took on the root of bitterness, and the rest of us didn't see it. We didn't realize. We didn't have the perspective of a spiritual realm. We didn't call this root of bitterness out, and it caused damage, much damage. It caused the whole community to be poisoned. You ever seen this in a family? All it takes is one person, I think particularly if it happens to the husband personally, He brings in that bitterness, wait for it, there's the fruit, the wife and children too. Have you ever seen that in a church? Going strong, going crazy. And then somebody says no to someone. And then then the prayer requests start. We need to be praying about that person. And it's just gossip. And, the, and again, it's just these little roots. Like, what happened? It started two years ago when no one called that person down. In front of everyone, they said this, that, or the other thing. It was bitterness. It was the root of bitterness. And we were being polite to the spirit of bitterness. What? We allowed a lie to be told with a microphone on. Okay? In the context of the relationship of the holy body of Jesus Christ. Wow. That's how a church dies from bitterness. So that's what a stronghold is. That's how you get into a stronghold. How do you, <laughs> okay, how do you get out of a stronghold? How do you get out of a stronghold? Three things, three steps, three, you do these. Any, here, 
One, recognition. I think recognition is one of the biggest parts, honestly, especially in my life and maybe this church because I haven't, I haven't been teaching on this, but we live in two realms and there's a spirit realm and it's all around us and it's not playing tag, it's at war with us. Look what uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians about just the spiritual nature of things. For though we walk in the flesh, we are, not, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but, of, but, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. We have divine power to destroy strongholds. How do we use the divine power that is in the, inside of our souls, in the Spirit of God that lives within us? How do we use that divine power? How do we have this perspective? What do we do with this perspective? When we pray that the Holy Spirit would tell us where are our strongholds? You just say, Spirit, am I in a stronghold? And then sometimes, where did the stronghold come from? Where did that emotion find its way into my life? How, how did those words come out of my mouth Track that spirit of God. Track that back to my heart because what comes out of the mouth that starts in the heart, where'd that come from? Where did that thought come from? I mean, this is my life, okay? I cannot remember my home phone number. That's true. I mean, it's, I'm not exaggerating. I, I, but I have a flashback driving down a highway, and I can tell you on a high school event that I should not have attended, and I can tell you what day of the week it was. I can tell you what it smelled like. I can tell you what song was playing on the radio. I can tell you where I parked my car. I don't know where I parked my car on Sundays. Buddy walks me to my car every Sunday. There it is again, Matt. <laughs> but hold, gee, I can, I can remember in, you know, 4K perfect vision with all my sensories attached to something that happened 30, 40, 50 years ago because... That's not my memory. I am not alone in this world. And, and I ask God, where did that thought come from? And he tells me, and I say, why is it still floating around? What are we going to do about this, Lord? There's a power over strongholds. There's a clue. You can ask, you know, pray specifically for or against these strongholds by name. I guess the memory I have in mind is passion, right? Lust. And, and so we don't just say, Lord, help me with this area. You say, you call it out. Lord, I, your spirit has told me that I have a stronghold of lust in my life. And I, can, I think it, I can trace it back to this event. So by the power of Jesus Christ, the name I proclaim, and the power of the spirit, Lord, de destroy this stronghold in my life. In, in generational strongholds, you don't say, you know, we haven't been the family we're supposed to be. You say, in the history of my family tree, Lord, I'm seeing us always, always going to church, never missing prayer time, but consumed with pride. It is on our family crest. It is a stronghold in my family, but no longer. Lord Jesus, because of you and the authority I have in your name, your spirit would you take over this stronghold by the blood of Jesus and remove it from this family, this generation going forward? That's just you flexing someone else's muscles.
right? That's you calling on God's spirit to do something miraculous in your life, in your family's life. So you pray for the, the Holy Spirit. It informs you of the stronghold. You pray specifically against that. And then, this is what kind of how we started, you, pray, you bring help in on it. Because what did we learn at the beginning that you can't soldier alone. It, how do you become like Christ, right? Spirit plus truth plus relationships. You use relationships to bring truth and spirit in your life, and you say, I need backup. Uh, this is, strongholds is just, is the, is the reason, not the only reason, but it is certainly a necessity of deep relationships. That's why it's a huge value here that we connect through relationships because you can't get through life successfully alone. There's no such thing as a lonely Christian, a lone one, you know? And, and so you, you, you have to, you know, recognize this. That's the first step, recognize what's going on around you. The second is repent. Repent, and I mean repent of all of it. Repent of entertaining the spirit of temptation in your life. Repent of, of believing the lies about God and yourself and others, and believing in, in, or rather, making a dedication to relationships that are destructive to your soul. It destroys strong, strongholds. You have to destroy the lies. You have to dro- destroy the spirit of the lies. Look, look at the next sentences in that First Corinthians passage when he's talking about the, our perspective. Look where he goes from there. Verse 4 and 5, for the weapons, this is review, for the weapons of our warfare, not of flesh, and, uh, not flesh, but of divine power to destroy relationships, we destroy strongholds, we destroy arguments, right? We destroy lies, and every lofty opinion raised against the truth of God, those are lies about God, we destroy all of those, and we take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. I mean, right there, we're, we're taking these thoughts captive, these are lies about God, they are, they are, these are um, arguments against God, and we take every thought captive. What he said, one, one writer puts it this way. These lies that we entertained, these are garbage. And when, when, we have, when we have garbage come into our minds, we're supposed to th- take, take that thought captive and say, look at this. This is a lie about the nature of God or about my identity. And instead of throwing it away, we just kind of put it over here on our souls and say, you know what? I'm going to hold on to that for a while. And we just keep taking in the lies. The next thing you know, we're hoarders, friends. We keep accumulating lies. And we wonder why we can't live a life that's victorious, because we hoard lies. We hold on to them. We collect them. Our life is just kindling, wait, waiting to explode because we don't take every thought captives. Oh, that's a lie. Let's get it out of here. No, let's just kind of let it sit back here and, and simmer. This, this is weird, okay, but I was listening to something, or Janice Ian, right, remember her, some of you, okay, you got to be old, but she sang a song called At 17, okay, and it said, at 17, I learned that, that love is only for beauty queens, okay, at the age of 17, I learned that love was only for beauty queens. That's the high note of that song. It just gets more depressing from there on, Okay. About smooth skin and everything else. And I remember singing that song when I was a teenager thinking, yeah, isn't that true? And I was driving around this week and I heard that and I said, that's a stinking lie. 
And I bought it when I was a teenager and went around sulking for about 20 years because of this song playing in my head. Oh, I'm not worthy of love. I can't go to prom. I never went to prom. I never got a Valentine. So there were some facts backing it up, okay? <laughs> I had a lot of evidence, you know, to suggest that it was factually true, but it wasn't spiritually Come back to me. It wasn't spiritually true. It wasn't spiritually true. But I, honestly, I think I, I, I played that song in my head for 20 years and I believed every bit of it. It took me till I'm like 50 something and I'm turning the station now going, I'm not singing along with this. I'm not buying it anymore. Stop it. Stop it. You call out, you throw it. So what it, the idea here is repentance is, is throwing that stuff out, going through your history and doing it and calling lies out. That kind of moves on to our third thing we need to do is, is taking response or a second Responsibility. Yeah, repentance and then responsibility. Third, responsibility. And responsibility means repair, rebuild, and remake. Repair, rebuild, and remake. Your life and the lives you've touched. Your life and the lives you've touched. How do you repair, replace, rebuild your life? I think a lot of times you, for me, I think sometimes you do this inventory, right? And you figure out where you took on those lies, and, and then you call them out. And I think one of the healthiest things you can do for lies in your life that you've believed and, and other discipleship in this stronghold is do the absolute opposite. If you're a stronghold to greed, then be generous. If you have a, a stronghold in despair and gloominess, you know, melancholy, then you worship a lot. And you know why? Because we're not the victims. He's the victim. I mean, it's spiritual judo. I love this stuff. You know, he's accusing me of all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, no, woe is me. And you just snap out of it and say, you know what? That's true, and 20 times more stuff, except here's the thing. Jesus died for me, and I received that by faith. And his blood covers all that stupid stuff you keep accusing me of. Thanks for bringing me down memory lane. I forgot that particular incident of sin and stupidity. So let's bring it to the throne of Jesus together. Come on, demon. Come on, let's go. And then after that, we're going to sing a praise song. Sing along with me. Oh, where are you running? What's the matter? Somebody gouge your eyes out? Yeah, I'm not the victim here. You're the victim. You brought up these stupid memories. I'm bringing them to the throne of Jesus, and I'm going to sing. How about that? That's what you do. That's how you rebuild yourself. This is how you rebuild others. You call it like it is. You go to your friends and family. You go to the people you touched. You're the poison that brought that into that marriage. Then you say that. Is there a choice? They did some choices, but you say this. I brought this bitterness into this. We were happy once. Right? You can do this to, with your children. I don't care if they're 50 years old. You can say, you know what? I should have ended this. I didn't understand. I didn't have a perspective. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what you know, strongholds were, but I do now, and I'm taking responsibility for that now, and I'm sorry about all the fruit that you got to, had to eat of bitterness that I brought to this family. I just passed on the generational attitude of pride and look at you. How can I make this right? Now, you might feel like you'd be ashamed to say that, especially to your child. And you know why you're ashamed? 
because you're believing another stupid lie. There's no shame. There's no shame in admitting you're doing something that, you, that you've sinned. There's no shame when you believe in the truth of who you are and, and the honor you have by being a child of the king. So there's no shame in confession. And if you have shame, that's another lie, maybe another stronghold. Another something else to take to the throne. Another way to gouge an eye out of some demon making fun of you. This is not easy to do. It's not a life, it's not a thing. But I'll tell you what, if you're not involved in Celebrate Recovery and you're stuck a lot, I love, one of the reasons I love Celebrate Recovery because it's not about addiction, it's about addiction to strongholds. Hurts, habits, hang-ups, they, they walk you through all of this. The 12 steps are after strongholds. Would you consider going there? There's a table in the lobby, just talk, just ask. You don't have to go to the local one here, you know, if you're ashamed, you got another issue. There's a bunch of them around town. So would you think about that? What we're talking about is a lifestyle. It's not an event. It's about staying spiritually fit. It's about keeping short lists. It's about every thought captive now. And then living forward, spirit, truth, relationships. And... In Brazilian jiu-jitsu, there is uh, a move called a triangle. And a triangle is absolutely the most devastating choke you can ever experience. And here's why. Because the, the strongest part of the human anatomy, your legs, are making a triangle, the single strongest geometric figure around the most vulnerable part of a person's body, and that is their neck, where they hide their carotid arteries. And so if you can put your legs in a triangle around someone's neck, it doesn't matter what the weight advantage that that person might have, they're done. They won't count to five before it's lights out. It's a lot of fun to put someone in a triangle. Why don't you, come on, let me show them how that is. There you see, look at the weight advantage. I'll take this guy. No, go ahead, sit back down. Yeah. So, so about the first time or every time you get caught in a triangle, the question to the instructor is always the same, how do I defend a triangle? And every single instructor you will ever meet will say, here's how you get out of a triangle. You don't get into a triangle. <laughs> you, get, you get a triangle sunk on you, it's just, you're done. You know how to get out of a stronghold? The easiest way? You don't get into a stronghold. That's how. And how do you not get into a stronghold? You take every thought captive. It's everyday maintenance. It is spirit plus truth plus relationships. It is keeping short lists. It is living every day like it's your last. It is trying to hear God's voice. If you can't hear God's voice, the static is probably stronghold. And you're going to need help. And that's not a bad thing. One of the best parts of strongholds, one of the upsides, is it is a blessing to need others. It is beautiful to be needed. There, there is no, there's, you, you cannot fight a war alone. 
and you cannot enjoy freedom by yourself. And that is the beauty of a stronghold or bondage. If you're in one of those, how about you do what we talked about today and invite someone into a deep, personal, spiritual relationship with you so that you can brag about what we were weak at and getting kicked around with for generations is now a point of strength and dependence because of your love for God and his people's love for you. Wow, that's a story God wants you to tell. That's, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about winning today. Not the power of strongholds, the power of defeating them. Let's pray. I'm, I went way over. I'm sorry. I'm not actually all that sorry. So I felt like I had to be truthful. Um, Lord, we are overwhelmingly grateful that you have given us uh, the authority and the power to defeat the strongholds in our lives. And now we are becoming aware of those strongholds. We might uh, see that we have been in bondage and lived a life of bondage. Lord, I'd ask that as we just we walk through this whole outline of how to get out of bondage, Lord, would your spirit speak to us and tell us these aren't just reoccurring failures, but there is a, we are, we have built a wall around us that is keeping your voice from being heard, your power from being enjoyed, that we have isolated ourselves because of probably shame. And so we don't tell people where we need help. We don't cry for help. We're drowning and we don't cry for help. So Lord, we're in a death cycle. And Lord, I'd like you to bring us out of this death cycle and make it alive. Give us the courage to invite someone into our life in a deeper, more spiritual way that we might share our continual failures with them so that they might pray for us and over us and call these things out for what they are in the power and the blood of Jesus Christ that you might be glorified by our past failures and future victories in your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.